Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night as I am recording this following the Denver Nuggets' big-time loss to the Phoenix Suns. Final score, 126-97. I am going to, because I didn't podcast about the Chicago game, I'm going to talk about the Chicago game in the first segment, the Phoenix game in the second segment. And then just kind of combine both of these into the third segment and what is really becoming a weekend from hell uh, in terms of potential injuries, in terms of uh, just the results that have been happening on the court. There's not been a lot of positives over the course of this last week. And Denver's on a four-game losing streak now. It has now spiraled into a situation where I don't know if Denver can recover. Uh, We are going to have to see, though. It's important that they banked wins early on their homestand because they're about to go on the road. They're about to play more really tough games and potentially without a lot of their guys. And I am very concerned about what is to come. But let's talk about Chicago game first. We'll talk about the Phoenix game in the second segment. And then in the third segment, we'll talk about injuries. Chicago game first. Uh, This was a game where Denver fought hard. Uh, Just being in the building, it was very clear that Denver was outmatched from a talent perspective, from a uh, playmaking perspective. They didn't have a lot to go on in that particular game, but they shot pretty well, nearly 38%, hit 14 threes, including four from Faku Campazzo. That was a really big help and something that I don't think anybody really expected, but it was about to happen at some point or another. After that game, Faku went from uh, 27% to 35% on the season in just one game. Uh, It was very good. They fought hard, but they ultimately lost 114-108, to lost by six points. And it stands out that, look, when you're without Nikola Jokic, all bets are off. This was the first game that Nikola Jokic had missed due to injury since December of 2017. He has been a rock, just an absolute uh, an absolute tank for this Nuggets franchise for a long, long time. And as a result, it's fair to say that they've become dependent upon him. And I thought that they fought through that in the Indiana game when he was uh, when he was suspended. I thought they fought through it pretty well against Chicago. Chicago was just a better team, and they got some good breaks at the end, including shooting 24 of 24 from the free throw line. But the thing that really stood out in that game, not just from 
and offensive standpoint. But Denver's pick-and-roll defense is a weakness with Jokic off the floor. Derek Jones Jr. scores 16 points, grabs three offensive rebounds, 7 of 10, was very effective in this game just as a roller. Tony Bradley, in his limited minutes, was very effective as well. He grabbed three offensive rebounds, eight points on three shots, barely played. But that was because the Bulls decided to go small to match the Nuggets who were going small, and the Bulls decided they wanted to do that for the big reason that Denver, they weren't going to be able to match up with their size. There was no reason for the Bulls to go big in that game, and they thought, and were correct, that they could match up small for small with Denver and still be better. Um, You had Lamelo, or not Lamelo, excuse me, Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and then Derek Jones Jr. was the main guy that they closed with, I'm pretty sure, but Javante Green was also out there, Ayo Dusumu, their rookie, was also out there. They had contributions from other guys, but the main core four of DeMar, Levine, Lonzo, and Caruso were very, very good. They put on an absolute show in that game, topped off by some Derek Jones Jr. high-flying dunks. And Chicago fans showed up in that game. It was actually pretty crazy to be in that building where it was just absolutely rocking with Chicago fans. While they were doing some great things, during the breaks you had big chance of let's go Bulls that drowned out Nuggets fans. They were clearly outmatched in that one, and it was too bad. Like, I'm a Nuggets fan. I don't want that to happen, and I want more than anything to be able to to shout back at people and be like, hey, look, this is this is Denver's house. You're not allowed to come in here and do this. But as a media member, you have to have some sense of decorum. And had I done that sitting next to Matt Moore, uh, that would have been that would have been a little bit uh, frowned upon as just general media practice. And it's the right call. Um, but it was crazy being in that environment and, and Denver kind of being an away team in their own building. But what really stands out, Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, they absolutely fought in that one. You had Aaron Gordon, 28 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 blocks. Basically served as the small ball 5 in crunch time in that game. Was very, very, very good. Hit some really tough and impressive shots. And you like what you see from him both in this game and in the Phoenix game that we'll talk about in the second segment, that he just put his head down sometimes and was very willing to go the extra mile for the physicality and match up with the opposing team. And he was the best perimeter defender on the team, and I didn't think it was particularly close either. It was funny. Denver in their closing lineup, um, they had Faku, Austin Rivers, Will Barton, P.J. Dozier, and Aaron Gordon. And they use Gordon on Levine. Levine and DeMar. And it's crazy that they got to that point. Because you have four guards. You're going small. You're trying to match up small for small. Keep up with them. But the only guy that could really play defense at a high enough level was Gordon. Not Dozier. Not Rivers. They were trying to save Will. It was just kind of crazy to see. So... 
it is what it is. Um, Faku hitting shots was pretty fun. He played really hard in that game and made a lot of impressive plays. One thing I will say, just going back and watching it, uh, he needs to finish at the rim better. That is pretty clear. Um, The Bulls were collapsing on his drives, and he was able to generate some assists because of that. But they probably shouldn't have. They probably should have just forced him to shoot over a one-on-one contest because he wasn't making any of those shots. Uh, he, He was one of four on those shots. They were all at the rim. And... The one that he made, I think, was against uh, Kobe White, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but when he went against DeMar, went against Levine, uh, Dasumu, guys like that, just it just wasn't meant to be. Um, has to have better decision-making, but you can make up for it when you hit threes. And he hit threes in a big way. Actually got the final three-point shot drawn up for him, which is pretty cool. That you've been going through a slump the way that he has. And Malone, in that moment, wanted to reward him because he was their best hope in that particular game. But glad to see the Faku had a bounce-back game. Uh, Monte Morris, in his place, did not have a good game. He was really, really disappointing, especially on the defensive end. Just really surprised that in a game where they have a bunch of guard threats, and the Nuggets have to be able to switch and contain and play fundamental defense. That Monte Morris was the guy that they had to bench. Like he he didn't deserve to be out there in that moment, and that was pretty disappointing. Uh, again, Denver closed with Faku, Austin Rivers, Will Barton, PJ Dozier, and Aaron Gordon. You knew that Will, PJ, and Gordon were going to close because they could provide the offense and more size than some of the other guys if you're going to go full-on wings. Uh, But not like going with Faku and Rivers over Monte was more of a byproduct of how that game went rather than anything else. and Just kind of disappointing from Monte, but also a disappointing game from P.J. Dozier. Uh, He had a really, really bad defensive game, and his defense this year just continues to slide. He's not having the same level of full-on impact on the team where he comes in and gives a jolt of energy, makes the hustle play, makes the correct read, things like that. He'll do that on occasion. But right now it's being overwhelmed by some of the mistakes as well as some of the uh, offensive inefficiencies that he's had. Like three of seven, one of three from three, and two of two from the line. It's one of his best games on the year from an offensive perspective. And that's just kind of what you could expect from him last year. He has regressed, and and we'll talk about him in the second segment too, but uh, it's just pretty disappointing to see them kind of see a lot of these guys fall apart in some of these situations. And still early in the year, but uh, given the injury situations, given how much pressure is being put on players, You're going to need to find tough ways to win, and the execution is going to have to be there. Guys like P.J. Dozier are going to have to step up, and to this point, he just hasn't. So hopefully he does. To be clear, Chicago, really good team. They do have some injuries too, 
But let's be clear. Denver's injuries, much more important. Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray. So arguably the two best players among the two teams. Though Zach Levine is really freaking good. Really, really freaking good. Um, It's tough. It's tough to watch. And not having Porter out there is also going to be tough. But Denver's in these situations. And I thought this was pretty emblematic of who they are when they don't have their three stars. People rise to the occasion, like Faku did, like Aaron Gordon, like Will Barton. But you're probably not going to have enough offense to get over the top. This time, though, not having enough offense was because the defense kind of fell apart. And they couldn't really defend the pick and roll. That is a trend that continued over to the Phoenix game as well. And you hate to see it. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, the rest of what is going on with this Nuggets team in the Phoenix game. We will be right back. This Thanksgiving, be thankful for free bets. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a turkey day no-brainer you can't miss. New customers can bet just $1.00 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. All DraftKings customers can also get in on the new same-game parlay offers that are sweeter than grandma's pumpkin pie. For the Thanksgiving games, all customers get a risk-free bet up to $25 if your same-game parlay doesn't win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS. Bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code MHS. This Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Alright, we're back. Pick action roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's talk about the Phoenix game now. Uh, Sunday night, the Nuggets played the Phoenix Suns 126-97. The Suns take a blowout victory. Uh, This game was over before it started, and I know that the Nuggets worked their way back at one point in the third quarter. They had done pretty well. But here's the thing. This game was over before it started. The Suns were on a mission The Nuggets couldn't bother them defensively at any point in this game. Denver finishes with a 127 defensive rating. And it was pretty bad. It was just a a really, really bad defensive performance where the game started and Denver was just looking around, like not really knowing where to go on several of the sunsets. And whether they were getting their wires crossed and, and mixed up on certain coverages, 
uh, from the halftime show. It, it seemed like Michael Malone had said that they were going to go back to something that they were doing previously. They tried something new in the in the Suns' first half that wasn't really working. So if that's the case, if they're using this time to experiment a little bit, just try a couple of different things, I get it. The problem is that the execution was just awful. It was just really, really bad. The Suns scored 48 points in the first quarter alone. Denver hasn't gotten to 48 points several times this year in their first half scores. Several times. It also didn't matter that Denver scored 28 points in the first quarter on their end. They were doing pretty well on the offensive end, but the Suns were just blistering hot. The CP3 DeAndre Aiden pick and roll, that was a killer for Denver. They got hit with a Jay Crowder game as well, where Jay Crowder gets 15 points on eight shots. And if you're going to let that happen, and Chris Paul's going to get nine points on four shots with 10 assists and zero turnovers, and then DeAndre Ayton's going to get 21 points on 12 shots, one of the only shots that he missed was a three. Like, they were toying with Denver, just walking through a lot of their plays. And it didn't matter what the Nuggets did. They just could not respond to what the Suns were doing. They did hit an unnaturally high number of shots from mid-range. That is something that stands out. And looking at the at the shot chart here, uh, the Suns had 14 mid-range points, though, and Denver had eight. And it wasn't really like, it wasn't crazy. Like, it's just going to happen against the Suns. They execute really well. They had their full, or at least close to their full rotation. And if you're Denver and you're without Murray, you're without Porter, and of course you're without Jokic, it's going to be difficult to keep up with them. So Denver needed to be able to keep up with them with their defense, and that just didn't really happen. I thought the 97 points was a pretty decent number that the Nuggets were able to get to. Uh, It wasn't great in the second half, like Denver scores 37 points combined in the second half, but they had 60. They were on pace to do pretty well. They just kind of fell apart. Things really fell apart in that third quarter. Denver couldn't get anything going, and it really felt like they were working against themselves. Will Barton had a bad game. It happens. 10 points on 15 shots, only two assists. But Denver just really struggled. There was not a lot of great ball movement, lots of isolations, lots of post-ups where guys were just trying to find their rhythm, trying to find uh, any individual way that they could carry the scoring load. And that's fine if you're going to defend well, but Denver didn't defend well. The shots that the Suns were consistently generating were always going to be better than the shots that the Nuggets were taking. They matched them from the three-point line. They matched them from the free-throw line, basically. Denver makes 11 threes. So do the Suns. 11 of 36 versus 11 of 38. So basically, they're the same. Denver goes 20 of 28 from the free-throw line. The Suns go 23 of 26, so they were slightly better, but it was still three a three-point difference. The real difference was around the rim. The real difference was in the mid-range. The Suns just executed their shots a lot better. They were more efficient. 
and they're consistently dumping the ball to DeAndre Ayton over the top of Denver's blitzing scheme. And that blitzing scheme was giving enough um, enough time to Chris Paul, to Devin Booker, to guys like that to lop the ball over the top or to reverse the ball to the weak side where Denver was going to have a weakness. And they consistently took advantage of that, both with the starters and with the bench. And the bench even had it better. Um, Cam Johnson scores 22 points, gets a career high against Denver, which Cam Johnson's been kind of a Nuggets killer throughout his time. Him and Mikhail Bridges just know exactly how to impact the game against this Nuggets team. And when you get hit with the Jay Crowder game, like I, like I said, it's just there's too much on the margins in order for Denver to make that up. Now, some positives. Each of the Nuggets starters within, was in double figures on the offensive end. They had to play big minutes, so uh, though Will Barton didn't have a good offensive game, I thought everybody else was good to really good on the offensive end. Not a ton of turnovers, not a ton of missed shots, maybe not enough outside shots made, but it was close enough that couldn't really say that specifically. Um, starting with Jeff Green, he in particular was really, really good. 19 points on 10 shots for him. 6 of 10 from the field, 6 of 8 from the free throw line, did go 1 of 5 from the three-point line. Still a little bit worried about the the three-point shooting because he was getting some good looks. He was getting some rhythm looks, and some of those shots just still aren't going down. But he did attack gaps well. He hit his shots inside the arc, was very patient, worked the mismatches both in the post and kind of on drives. Uh, Was a pretty good offensive game from Jeff Green. 19 points led the way for Denver. Uh, Third on the team was Jermichael Green who scored 14 points on 5 of 9 from the field, including 3 of 5 from 2, excuse me, and uh, 2 of 4 from 3. The 2 of 4 from 3 is a big deal. He's been having a lot of trouble with his 3-point shot, was really short on his first two threes, but he made the second two. And hopefully he can use that to get into a rhythm going forward, because the Nuggets need him to be able to shoot the ball. Without Najee out there, without trusting Bolin, and Bull's not exactly a three-point shooter right now either, so I'm not surprised that they aren't they aren't going to him. But Denver needs the three-point spacing if Jokic isn't going to be out there, if Porter isn't going to be out there, Murray especially. If those guys aren't going to do it, they're going to need to work the paint inside out, where Jermichael Green's not going to be the biggest paint threat, You're going to need drives from Monte Morris, from Will Barton, from Aaron Gordon. That means that Jeff Green's going to have to space space the floor. means that Jermichael Green's going to have to space the floor. Jeff didn't really do it tonight, but Jermichael Green did. Thought he did a really nice job. Struggled defending the pick and roll like I talked about. The the blitz with him just is really non-existent. At 6'8", he just doesn't really have the same frame that a guy like Jokic does where Jokic can really bother passes like that. He's already good at reading those plays, 
Jermichael Green's pretty good at it, not quite as good as Jokic, and he doesn't have the same physical tools to be able to wall off those passing lanes. So we're going to have to see what happens with that. We're going to have to see what happens with the defense without Jokic because two games in, it's not really looking good over these last couple. Aaron Gordon had 16 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists before getting ejected. Um, I thought he was pretty good in this one. Thought he was pretty competent. Thought he got a rough whistle towards the end and, and let the ref know about it on the first time. Got teed up. Said something, then turned around, and then the second ref teed him up for a second time. And he was out of there immediately. And that really shouldn't have happened. Thought it was pretty soft. Thought it wasn't, uh, it was like, it was, first of all, it was Jermichael Green who was saying those things. And it wasn't like Aaron Gordon was just going out of his way to berate an official. He said his piece, was walking away. And then the second ref came in, heard something, didn't realize it wasn't from him, and then ejected him anyway. Uh, it was too bad because he had a really good game. I, I thought his first half in particular was just very, very good. Really got slowed down in the third quarter, but so did everybody. Um, Like I said, Barton had an off night. It happens. He's been good for most of this year, so I'm not going to really concern myself with it. Faku hit two early threes in this one, but didn't really do much else. But he does have six made threes in the last two games. That is something that you can build on. Uh, I am going to choose to build on it because going six of 12 in the last two games, shooting 50% from three, that is a good thing for Faku. He also was a minus 25 in this game. He was the worst on the team. And a lot of it was because he didn't really do anything else other than shoot the ball a couple times. So I'm going to need to see more from him. The Suns really take advantage of him. They have the size. They have the, like, Chris Paul was just just barreling into him. Cameron Payne was drawing fouls. Devin Booker shoots over him. Mikhail Bridges shoots over him. They don't even see him. So if the Nuggets match up against the Suns, Faku Campazo can't play. That, I think, is pretty clear based off of last year, based off of the evidence so far this year. If Monte Morris is also going to be bad, then Denver's going to be in trouble. They're going to need to find some other solutions. But Will Barton can match up. Jamal Murray can match up. We know that. P.J. Dozier can match up against the Suns. I know that for sure. But we're just going to have to see. Austin Rivers hit two of five from three. It was pretty good defensively on a night where very few players were. Um, damning with faint praise, I would say. Just given that Dever gave up 126, so I'm just going to move on. And then Dozier, like I like I mentioned, he doesn't he matches up well against this team, but he matches up within the context of being that missing piece in a Murray Porter Jokic lineup. I like the lineup where it's Murray, Porter, Barton, Jokic, and then Dozier kind of in the middle doing everything. You could also make the argument that Gordon in there doing everything would also really help. Gordon kind of being out there, switching on the perimeter, 
doing everything he can to hound the opposing team. That'll really help in different cases. Hopefully they can see it. Hopefully we can see it. I, I just I don't know if we're going to be able to see it with Porter. Uh, we're going to have to talk about that soon. Let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the injury bug and what we know about the Porter situation. We'll be right back. Final segment here, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know you're probably thinking, gosh, why am I tuning into this podcast? This sucks. This is this is just a weekend from hell that the Nuggets had. Yep, that is true. That is something that definitely happened. Uh, I'm sorry to say that it has been just awful, but it has been. And the Nuggets are in a really tough place where they haven't really been before. I'm not sure how many four-game losing streaks they've had in the last several years. That's crazy to think about. Uh, They just don't usually go on losing streaks. They make it a very large point to not let things spiral. I just don't know if they have any choice right now, just given what's coming up, what they've already had to go through. Here, let's talk about the injury situation. You You know the ones that are already going on, but tonight, let's focus on tonight right now. Bones Highland, who already dealt with a left ankle injury. Two minutes into the game, goes down with a right ankle injury. Not really sure what it was. Pretty sure it was a sprain. Pretty sure he just uh, rolled it at some point. And whether he got stepped on, whether he rolled it, whether whatever happened, I didn't actually see. But he posted a picture to Instagram where he was in a boot, in a walking boot, trying to keep the swelling down. And that's a bad sign. That is a very, very bad sign that they are worried about the swelling, at least at that point. And Bones has really had his rookie season kind of taken away from him now in the last three games due to some injury luck, some injury bad luck. Um, Very curious to see how Denver handles themselves with this. Very curious to see what they do in his stead. Do they go to Marcus Howard? Do they shore up and then keep the rotation small? Do they have to find somebody else? Because in Bones Highland's place, the Nuggets brought back in Will Barton. And then in the third quarter, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it was the third quarter, Barton is contesting a shot, trying to make a play, and Gets his leg kind of pushed away from him a little bit. And when he comes back down on both legs, he basically does a little mini split. And then it looks like he pulls a muscle in his groin. Now, he stayed in the game. Looked like he was in a lot of pain. Denver decided that they they couldn't really do anything about it at that point. And he said that he was okay, so they left him out there. But I'd be surprised if he didn't show up on the injury report on Monday, where they make the game notes for the game on Tuesday against Portland. And if Barton's on that, then 
they could potentially have as many as like eight of their 17 players on the injury report. That's a lot. And, and a lot of them are pretty long-term things. So very curious to see what happens here, but that wasn't even the big one because Jokic had his wrist injury as well. And it seems like they're being very cautious with him. I thought that he probably could have played today, but just kind of watching him go through warmups on some of the replays that they had on the broadcast. Looks like he's in pain. He looks like he's kind of in pain when he uses that right hand, whether he's dribbling, whether he's shooting. Just looks very uncomfortable. And that could just be me totally prognosticating and being like, uh, just, just spitballing here, but that's what it looked like visually to me. And if that's the case, and if he needs a little bit more time, then, well, at least Denver is only going to have two games this week where they've got a game on Tuesday against Portland. They've got a game on Friday against Milwaukee after Thanksgiving. So hopefully he gets some time to himself, but it doesn't look good. I said this on Twitter, but this was the, like for this one in particular, was the second game he had missed due to injury since December of 2017. And he had rolled an ankle at one point, but he also had a wrist injury at one point. I'm pretty sure that was in his second season, if I'm not mistaken. He came back, he played with a wrist injury, uh, a wrist splint on, but I don't think it was on the shooting hand. I thought it was on the other hand. Could be wrong about that, but he's been on the injury report before with a shooting wrist injury. So this seems like something that has popped up multiple times. And if it's chronic, if it's something he's going to have to deal with for a long time, potentially for the rest of his career, great. Just fantastic. Just wonderful. Denver can't have any nice things, clearly. Because that wasn't even the big thing tonight. Because after the game, Michael Malone gets asked about Michael Porter. And then said that he's in Florida. Uh, and Mike Singer then added on that he's really getting the back reevaluated, checking his options, getting more opinions. That's a bad sign, just to be clear. That is a really, really, really bad sign. Because most of the time when you hear getting more opinions, it's about surgery. It's about can you play on this or can you do something different in your rehab process that doesn't involve getting something surgically repaired. And if that's the case, if, if Michael Porter has to get a surgically repaired back for the third time in his career, then color me jaded, but I'm pretty concerned about his long-term health in a Nuggets uniform. We thought we were done with it. We thought we were past some of the major back injury stuff and that he would just have to do some maintenance throughout his career. We don't know what's going to happen. We haven't been given a full-on timeline or anything like that. Nothing's come out from Woj or Singer or Shams or anything like that. But I do think that this is bad. I think the Nuggets should be mentally prepared. Nuggets fans should be mentally prepared for what's to come. 
and what's to come is likely something that's not going to be very nice for a lot of people, the Nuggets especially. Uh, if they are without Michael Porter for a long period of time, the season becomes pretty not moot, but Denver loses their best punch. They lose their best opportunity to go at opposing teams surrounding the Jokic-Murray pick-and-roll with one of the most lethal floor spacers in the NBA that's versatile enough to score around the rim and get rebounds and make some defensive plays here or there. If they are without that guy, then they lose their best punch. They lose their flexibility that if Murray is anything less than 90%, then they could still make a deep run. They lose that. And that sucks. That really, really sucks. But more than anything, it sucks for Porter. Because he's been going through hell to start his career. 2017, 2018, 2019 were years from hell for him. Mostly 2018 and 2019. We're just trying to work his way back. Trying to figure himself out. Trying to relearn how to play basketball. Trying to learn how to play five on five in a in a setting as tough as Denver's, where playing Jokic ball requires a bright mind and requires a different a different personality. Porter had to rewire himself. And then he started the season really poorly. There was speculation that is probably true. That he was dealing with back pain before he went out, and that whatever happened against the Houston Rockets when he went up for that dunk attempt really just kind of opened up the faucet, opened the floodgates on the pain. But if that's the case, and he has to get surgery, and he's out for the year, then Denver's in a world of hurt. And on top of that, like, Vlacko's been out for the year with a with a mysterious injury. He's working his way back in the G League right now, but you never know when he's actually going to be back. Zeke Naji, he's out with an ankle injury right now. Denver was so injured tonight that they couldn't take out Faku Campazzo and Austin Rivers because they didn't have enough players in their place when Bones Highland went down. They had to play... Marcus Howard, Peter Cornelly, Bull Bull. Those were their three garbage time guys. Bones Highland would have been in there too. Bafaku and Rivers, they both had to be out there. And Denver at this point, they're just going to get more and more tired. They're going to get more and more exhausted. And Jamal Murray isn't going to be back until February at the earliest. Which means that the Nuggets still have December and January fully that they have to get through. That's going to be really, really tough. It's been quite a year. It's been quite a year already. It's been not fun. Despite the fact that Denver has a plus 500 record still, they're still nine and eight, still figured out ways to win. It's been quite a year. And the year just is going to get more hellish. The schedule is going to get tough because over the next 13 plus games, There's an eight-game road trip. They still have to play 
the Blazers. They have to play Milwaukee at home on Friday. Then they go to Miami on November 29th. Have to deal with whatever the hell drama they have to get there. It's really hard to stay positive about the outlook of the team right now. Just in the current moment. Because if Porter's injury is some sort of long-term issue, it's going to be it's going to be really difficult to be positive about the future because I just think that he's really, really important and Nuggets fans have really underrated that sure they can win without him, but can you really win without him? Can you really match up with the top talent? What happens when you have to go up against the best of the best, like tonight against the Phoenix Suns? where no matter how good your defense is, they're going to still make some shots. They're going to still put up 126. Do you have the firepower to keep up with them? You do if Barton is your fourth option and Aaron Gordon's your fifth and Monte Morris is your sixth man and Bones Highland is just being used very sporadically and when, when you need a guy who can give you a boost, P.J. Dozier's playing a reduced role. Jeff Green and Jamichael Green are using off the bench instead of in the starting unit. But if they're in a situation right now where they have to overtax their rotation because of the injuries that they've had to deal with, I am really, really concerned with where this thing is going and what this record could be by the time Game 30 rolls around. Next few weeks are going to be rough. Be prepared, Nuggets fans. It's going to be tough. But if there's any team that can get through it, if there's any team that has shown the willingness, the the ability to embrace adversity and get through it on the other side, it's the team that has Nikola Jokic. It's the team that has Michael Malone. It's the team that has Jamal Murray. And he does come back. It's the team that has Will Barton. Who's been through the ringer. And hopefully he's healthy. Because if he is. He ain't going down without a fight. No, Aaron Gordon's not going down without a fight. The Nuggets just need to get back Jokic. If they can get him back. If they can stabilize a little bit. Then maybe some of this looks outlandish a week from now that's the best case scenario hopefully they can pull it off that is going to do it for this episode of pickaxe and roll presented by DraftKings sportsbook america's top rated sportsbook app thank you so much for tuning in really appreciate all of the support and if you listen to this part of the podcast you are a real one thank you so much for tuning in we'll talk to you guys very soon